Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. Um, And this week I'm going to give you some new stories that are going to be in my next collection. The first one is a story that I wrote inspired by a particular TikToker. And it actually debuted um, at the uh, 3rd of July virtual play party last night. Um, And people really seem to like it. So I hope you will too. And the story is called Ink. Friday night marks the end of a long week. Basha usually works on a Saturday, but not this week. She walks the 50 feet from her office to her bedroom and strips off her clothing, then saunters naked down the hall to the bathroom for a quick rinse. Under the hot spray, she feels herself begin to unwind. In her head, living rent-free is Icy Red by Everyone Loves an Outlaw. Shaking her head, she tells her musical brain to change the channel. The next song that takes up residence is I Want You by Elvis Costello. This must be a stocking morning, she muses as she turns up the heat and tries to to melt the knots from her shoulders. Basha takes her time working the thick honey shower cream into her skin, enjoying the sweet smell and the sicky, silken feel of it gliding over her body. She works the gel over each piece of artwork on her body. Her tattoos mark the gods who claim her tell the story of life-changing experiences and relationships. She chose her first tattoo in 1988 and when asked why, replied, This is my body and I can decorate it. It's my body and I can score it, brand it, and mark it as mine. There are times the ink comes alive. It raises, moves, and sometimes itches. The ink has a voice. It speaks to her. It kindles the flame and stokes the fires from within until they explode through her mouth or her pussy. Her lovers trace her ink and sometimes the dragon talks to them, sets them alight until they too breathe fire into all of her openings, filling her full to overflowing. The wolf growls at her lovers from between her shoulder blades, pushing them onto that primal place, asking them to growl back to sink their fangs into her shoulder, her neck, asking them to mount her, gripping her by the hair, wrestling down her belly, pressing into her slick folds causing her to yelp as he presses in until she growls back, pressing back into his fur, the wolf howling in encouragement, telling him to fuck her, take her, for she is prey. She writhes back into him. His beard, the mischievous twinkle in his eyes, as he tells the worst jokes, and his ink grab her attention. The carpet of fur on his chest speaks to the wolf between her shoulders, the bear on her ass. His ink speaks to her and the dance begins. 
The image of him with one hand down his cotton pants almost makes her drool as she imagines what he would look like as he stroked himself, what the carpet of fur would feel like, soft like floss or rough like steel wool. She imagines being tied to a chair as he slowly strips in front of her, almost close enough to touch, but not quite. He moves so he is only a couple of inches from her face as he lowers his pants, so his hard dick springs out. If she sticks her tongue all the way out, maybe. But no, he's still half an inch away, and he chuckles at her distress. He slowly strokes himself, groaning with each stroke right in front of her face, and she growls in frustration since she can do nothing. She cannot reach him, and she cannot touch herself. Her nectar begins to dribble onto the chair. Her ink rises, and his looks as though it will come off his body and wrap around her. A bead of precum appears at the end of his dick, and he moves close enough, so it drips onto her tits. She moans, struggles, desperate for a taste. He chuckles and then renews his stroking. Do you want a taste, he asks, his voice gruff and drips with lust. Yes, she moans. He straddles the chair, rubs the head of his dick back and forth over her lips. Her tongue darts out, scooping up the precum as though it were the rarest of nectars. His taste is sweet. Maybe he was eating pineapples today. She opens her mouth wide, hoping to be fed. He strokes faster, the muscles in his forearms clenching and unclenching, almost as hot as the color his dick is turning. Her button is throbbing to the beat of his strokes. Her frustration at being tied to the chair is obvious when he looks in her eyes. He runs his other hand down between her lips and strokes her button, rolling the slipperiness between his fingers until she's straining against the ropes in an effort to make more contact with his fingers. He continues to strum on her clitoris in time to his strokes as he gets closer to exploding. Open wide, he rasps as he strokes faster, swollen, putting the head of his dick into her gaping mouth, allowing her tongue to stroke over it. He presses into her mouth and then straight into her throat, as deeply as he can go. His hand moves behind her head, gripping her curls, pulling her onto his dick until he's controlling her breathing, allowing her to gasp for air just before she feels she will pass out. He pushes in deeply enough for his balls to bounce off her chin. His fingers pound on her clitoris. She begins to come, soaking his fingers. As she releases, he explodes, thick cum flowing into her throat, sweet and hot and thick. She gulps it all down, coming again as he finishes. He slowly withdraws from her mouth, tucking his dick back into his pants. He unties her and helps her to bring the feeling back into her limbs. It hurts and she complains, but only half-heartedly. She comes out of her reverie, startling when her phone buzzes. She looks at the message from him. Number three, street, A-N town, P-O code. Friday night, 20 hundred hours, don't expect to be home before Sunday night. It doesn't feel like a request. It feels like he's daring her to close her eyes and step off the edge of the cliff. The shiver starts in her toes and moves through her whole body to the ends of her hair. Her stomach turns somersaults and she fears she will be sick. She sits down, puts her feet on the ground, and breathes slowly, deeply, feeling herself rooted to the spot. She keeps her focus on her roots and breathing until the shivering stops. The hair on her body lays back down and her stomach no longer churns. She texts him back. I will be there and adds a blushing emoji. 
I just jumped off the cliff, she says to herself as she heads into the bedroom to dress for her day. The week moves alternately slowly and quickly. In that way, time stretches when anticipation is in play. They have little contact during the week. He prefers to let her anxiety build. She spends time searching through her clothing for something that will send the right message, though she isn't really sure what that message should be. She packs as light as she can manage, since she has no idea what the weekend plans are, a comfortable short dress, leggings, tunic, leather harness, and red cotton shift that is one of her favorites. She only takes her slippers, the pair of boots she's wearing, her small makeup kit, and the usual electronics that she never travels without these days. It all fits in her carry-on bag, and she's well chuffed, as she rarely manages a weekend jaunt without bringing a proper suitcase. She finishes packing on Wednesday, leaving one more day to fill. Thursday is a light client day, so she spends her free time working on her current writing project and in the evening records her regular weekly podcast. This week, it is on consensual non-consent. This is always a sticky topic as so many people are triggered by the idea that someone would give consent for a person to push their limits, or even ignore some of them, or that someone would give blanket consent to a person over a period of time. It's one of her favorite ways to engage in authority transfer and BDSM when there's a trust established. She gets to sleep as early as she can on Thursday night. The drive on Friday is a long one. She's in on one end of the she is on one end of the country and he is on the other end. Even though she has lived on this island for more than half her life, she still thinks about distance like an American. She is amused that she can drive from where she is to where he is in less time than it takes for her to drive from Los Angeles to San Francisco. And this drive is a hundred miles shorter. She always enjoys long drives. They give her time to unwind and let her mind roam free. In the morning, she loads her road trip playlist, snacks and water and carry-on into the car. She puts the address of the Airbnb into the GPS. Basha decides she will stop for breakfast on the drive. She wears a red V-neck t-shirt dress made of super soft cotton, a scarlet bra and pants set, sketchers, the thick memory foam making the long drive more comfortable. She wears no makeup but a deep berry lipstick and finally sprays on her Rosa Dove's fetish parfum for women mixed with fetish parfum for men. There are spare masks, hand sanitizer, lube and condoms in the car, and an extra phone charger, just in case. Just before leaving, she texts to let her people know that she is off and where she will be. The traffic is light as she gets on the road, and she makes good time to her breakfast stop. She enjoys a full English while scrolling through the latest TikTok videos, taking her time and making sure she eats carefully. Basha takes the opportunity to stop and see some of the beauty on the drive. She does not want to be late, but she doesn't want to be too early either. Her anxiety rises the closer she gets to the Airbnb. She arrives right on time and parks in the drive. The house is secluded, surrounded by trees. She takes her gear out of the car and slowly approaches the door and then knocks. Sweat is beating on her forehead and the butterflies in her stomach threaten to fly out her mouth. Jay opens the door after her first tentative knock. He pulls her inside. He kisses her, exploring her tongue, lips, mouth, teeth, until she must lean against him in order to remain standing. He keeps going, pushing her further until her hands have curled into fists, holding tight to his shirt, toes curling, threatening to cause her to lose her balance. When he finally lets go, she wobbles and quickly sits down on the settee to avoid falling. 
Her breathing is rough. She's almost panting. He chuckles as he notices. Are you okay? he asks. Yes. Yes, I am, she stammers. Do you need a drink? he asks. Uh, Perhaps a glass of water, please, she replies, and he goes off to get her one. Logistics first. The kitchen's over here, the loo there, the bedroom through those doors. Is there anything I need to know about your health, your needs, limits, he asks. Basha tells him about her health issues and needs. My limits are around my health issues. There are no others, she says. What about aftercare? Fears? I already have an idea, but I want you to tell me, he says. Aftercare usually involves eating something, preferably comfort food, being wrapped up, sometimes cuddling, often sleeping. Fears, I hate hoods. I crave pain, but I fear pain. I fear needles, and I am not too thrilled with bugs. I have a healthy fear of those who are stronger than I am, she replied. This is what I want from you, he says. I want you to do what I say. I want you to respond fully. You can use your safe word, red, if needed. Do you agree? he asks. Yes, she says. Good, he replies. Jay grips the top of her dress and tears it to reveal her bra. Now you look edible, he says, and takes a number of pictures. He tears the dress further until her pants are exposed and the dress falls from her body. He cuts off her bra and pants so she stands naked in front of him. Jay slips a thick leather hood over her head. Basha has to work hard not to panic. She doesn't like hoods. They obscure too much. They take away the hidden ways she has of keeping some control. She cannot see what will happen to her, so she cannot prepare for it. She cannot make deductions from what she hears. Even her sense of smell is obscured. All she can smell is the leather. He leads her to a piece of furniture and maneuvers her until she is supported on the bench in a semi-upright position like those back-and-shoulder massage chairs that you get in airports, malls, and at events. Her head is supported as well as her body. The first thing she feels is his nails, lightly scratching over her back, her bum, her legs. She tries to stay still but finds it difficult. Jay speaks to her, but she cannot properly make out his words. It takes him a moment to remember what she said about her hearing loss. He cannot count on Basha hearing commands, so he guides her with touch. Basha cannot hear the buzz of the violet wand. She feels the mild shock on her calf and works hard not to jump. Jay rolls the double Wartenberg wheel up her left leg. To many people, Wartenberg wheels look relatively innocuous. The small spikes on this medical tool don't look sharp enough to frighten. It's often used as a sensation tool rather than a tool used to cause pain. Most of the time they're made of metal and not too large. But this one is different. It's palm-sized and made of red and black silicon. There's a double silicon wheel. When used on its own, there's no bite, just a tickle sensation. But when used, attached to the electro-stim unit, the bite is enough to cause Basha to scream. Jay sets the electro-stim on the second lowest setting and runs the wheel up Basha's right leg. She screams into the hood as her body lights up with jagged pain. The pain from electro-stim play... And violet wand play is neither sting nor stud. It's a sensation all its own, one that Basha finds particularly hard to take and process. Jay runs the wheel over her right ass cheek. Basha moans. He strokes both her cheeks and little sparks come from his fingers. He uses the contact plate so his body is electrified. Basha struggles to remain still, squirming away from his hands without intending to. Suddenly, Basha feels the first smack. 
Jane rains a series of blows on her ass, his hands still electrified. She cannot help but squirm. He runs a finger between her nether lips, gathering her juices as he shocks her. She moans in pain even as she feels her pushy gush. Jay turns off the electrostim, presses his body into Basha's as he explores her curves. He reaches up and removes the hood, replacing it with a soft leather blindfold. He leans in close and growls in her ear, causing the hair to rise on her body, her nipples to harden and her pussy to throb. She feels his cock hard against her, moans and lifts her ass to press in closer. Now behave, he begins, and she stills her hips. He drips the warm lube into the crack of her ass, thoroughly coating her pussy and her asshole. He enters her pussy ever so slowly, a millimeter at a time. Oh, gods, please, she wails, wanting to feel him balls deep inside her, desperately wanting to feel his dick pounding into her. Please what, he asks, the chuckle evident in his voice. Please, sir, she tries tentatively. He laughs. Please, sir, what, he asks. Please, sir, fuck me, she cries. I am fucking you, he replies. She groans in frustration. Please, sir, fuck me harder, she demands. Not yet, he replies. Jay fucks her torturously slowly until Basha moves past her frustration, until she surrenders to his will. With her surrender comes her first orgasm, taking both of them by surprise. Her pussy grips his dick, almost making him come. He groans as he struggles to hold back. He's not finished with her yet. Jay withdraws from her pussy, strokes more lube onto his cock, and taps the hard head of his cock on Basha's asshole. Her asshole responds by relaxing a bit, inviting him to insert a finger, then two. He begins to fuck her asshole with his fingers. Basha rubs her kitty as he fucks her, ever so close to a second orgasm. He can wait no longer. He presses his cock into her asshole. This heat and silky tightness feels overwhelming. Jay finds it almost impossible to go slowly. He moans as he strokes into her asshole. Please, 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 sir, fuck me faster, harder, please, please, Basha begs. Jay picks up the pace, pounding into her ass as her fingers strum her clitoris. The velvet friction is too intense for Jay to resist. He shouts as he empties his balls into her asshole, sending her over the edge into a shattering orgasm that starts at her toes and moves through her body to explode from the top of her head. They slowly return to earth as Jay's dick softens and slips from her asshole. He helps Basha from the frame. She walks slowly to the loo for a quick clean-up and returns with a warm cloth to clean him up as well. Jay pours them both drinks and pulls Basha to him. Wrapped in a blanket, they relax in the afterglow of the scene. He nibbles on her ear and whispers, What shall we do next? Eat, sir, she replies. Do you like Chinese, he asks. Yes, she replies. Then let's order a takeaway, he says. Yes, sir, she replies, and reaches for the phone. Thank you.
cheering up. I promised to write you something fun to cheer you. Of course, I have a strange sense of fun. I present myself before you, freshly groomed, smelling of woods and grasses and earthy scent, with fresh, sweet top notes. I kneel and place my lips to your boots, inhaling deeply. I feel I will swoon. Instead, I begin kissing and licking your boot. You press your foot between my breasts, and I bend to lick. A moan escapes my lips. Your hand in my hair pulls me towards you as you press down with your booted foot firmly between my breasts. After a while, you speak. Choose a tool to be beaten with, slut. Once you choose the tool, I'll decide how many strokes. I crawl to where your tools of choice are laid out. There is the rubber bat, the dragon tail, a heavy flogger, it's elk or moose or bull maybe, a lighter flogger, a riding crop, a bamboo cane, and the leather-covered paddle. All of these tools are challenging in some ways. How challenging will depend upon how hard the tool is used, what part of the body or parts of the body are beaten, how long the beating goes on, and whether the rhythm of the beating allows for me to enter into that state of masochistic bliss where it's almost unbearable, but it is bliss. I know better than to take too long to decide. May I pick two, I ask. Yes, you reply. I pick up the heavy flogger and bring it to you on my knees, carrying it in my teeth. I go back and pick up the dragon tail and bring it to you on my knees, also carrying it in my teeth. I'm shaking as I give it to you. The dragon tail is always challenging to endure. It's one of the most vicious tools you use on me. The heavy flogger is challenging in a different way. I can endure for much longer, but it can sometimes be even harder to manage than the dragon tail. I know you're in a brutal mood. I choose the tools in that knowledge. You smile as you tell me to lie down on my stomach on the bed and begin to restrain my other ankle and my hands to the sides of my head. The first ten strokes of the dragon's tail. You will count them with me and thank me for each one, you announce. Yes, ma'am, I reply. I hear the whoosh just before that cutting, burning, stinging pain lights up my back near my left shoulder blade. The strike causes me to almost scream. One, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. I say, not quite shouting, but with a clear shaking in my voice. The next two strokes come in quick succession across the fleshy part of my ass. I can feel the skin part on the second one, which is landed directly on top of the first. Two, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. Three, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. I almost wail, the breath leaving my body in a gasp. You give me a moment to catch my breath, pressing your knee between my legs, reaching underneath to grab a nipple and twist sharply. Stroke four lands in the sweet spot, a lighter stroke than the previous two strokes, but in that sensitive place, it feels harder. Four, ma'am, thank you, ma'am, I moan. The next stroke lands on my ass and I rise to meet it, you chuckle. Five, ma'am, thank you, ma'am, I gasp. Strokes six and seven land on my upper thighs, causing me to squeal at the sting. These strokes are the kind where the pain really begins on the lift-away part of the stroke, after the compressed flesh bounces back and the air hits the welts where the skin is abraded. Skin six, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. Seven, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. I shout, my voice trembling with both pain and need. Lift your ass, you command, and I lift up, able to come almost mostly to my forearms and knees. This spreads my legs a bit and exposes my plump pussy lips, exposes the underside of my ass. Stroke eight catches part of my pussy lips and I scream, tears overflowing and running down my face. Eight, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. I sob, 
Stroke nine lands on my upper back harder than the previous few. Nine, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. I sob. Last stroke, Toy. Are you ready? You ask. Yes, ma'am, I choke out, breathing deeply. I hear the whoosh before hearing the loud whap as the stroke lands across the top of my ass. The pain is searing, and I groan. Ten, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. I wail. You shove a couple of fingers into my sopping pussy, pressing your body into my ass and rubbing over the developing welts. You don't get to come yet, you say into my ear, and I shiver under you, so terribly close to coming. You press into me further, pushing me right to that edge while telling me not yet. I breathe slowly, deeply, keeping myself on that edge without falling over. You take off the restraints. On your back, you say, and then restrain my hands by my sides, restraining my legs apart again. You begin to flog my breasts with the heavy flogger. The thud and sting combine with each stroke. You work on my breasts until they're cherry red and then move to flog my belly, knowing how hard I find having my belly flogged, beaten, or even played with. I'm moaning almost to the point of keening. You work on my stomach until it's a deep brick red, clearly beginning to bruise in places. You move down to my thighs, starting across the tops, then moving to my inner thighs, alternating right to left, left to right, until the tears are freely flowing down my face. Every few strokes landing directly on my pussy, continuing until I am sobbing uncontrollably, my thighs fire engine red. You slowly stop. Thank you, ma'am. I sob. Your hands are between my legs, stroking my aching pussy, stroking my welted thighs, running over my ever-so-sensitive clit until all I can do is moan. Please, 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 ma'am, please. You stop suddenly. Not yet. You move up so you're sitting on my raw tits. Lick me, you say, as you pull my head towards you. You lower yourself onto my face. I lick you, suck you as you press down, controlling my breathing. I'm moaning, tears staining my cheeks. I can feel you're close to coming. Your hand wraps in my hair as you ride my face faster until you come with a groan. I'm having such a hard time maintaining my balance on that edge, and your orgasm pushes me so close to coming. I want so badly to hold on, to wait for permission. You look down at me after sliding off my face, my dilemma evident on my face. Now, slut. Come now, slut, you say, and I w- and watch as I let go, moaning, my body jerking as the orgasm tears through me. Thank you, ma'am, I whisper when I can finally catch my breath. You stretch out next to me, watching as I settle down, running your fingers over all the welts on my front, before turning me over to see where the skin breaks are on my back. I can feel that each time I flinch, you grin. So, um... Thank you all for joining me this week. Uh, next week uh, and uh, and the following, I'm actually on the road. Um, so if I don't have the opportunity to record something new, there will be a couple of repeats. If there's a special repeat you'd like to hear, do email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com and tell me what story do you want to hear again or which which author do you want to hear again and I will try and oblige please do that um, in the next few days so that I can uh, get it set up with um, with my uh, engineer um, so that they're on time for you next week and the week after so in the meantime uh, if you're enjoying these stories and you would like to have the books or in some cases the audio books 
you can head over to drlaurybethbisbee.com and head over and look at the store. Also, I am now creating bespoke erotic stories that you can have written just for you. Go head on over to the website and look at the description of these. They are not being written from a a standard format. Each one will be cookie cutter. And um, depending on what level of story you purchase, you will be able to have more say in, in what the story is about and the characters and where it's set and all of that good stuff. It's a great present to give your lover, um, maybe even to um, help them understand something about some of your more hidden desires. So have a fantastic week, be safe, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, drlaurybethbisbee.com and drlaurybethbisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, voiceamerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at laurybeth at drlaurybethbisbee.press. Have a great week. <laughs>